0: Welcome to the Botter-Meinhof Podcast. I am your host, Richard Huffman, expert in all things Botter-Meinhof. This is the only podcast that is devoted to, yet unaffiliated with, the Botter-Meinhof gang. Um, we talk about left-wing urban, urban urban terrorism of the 1970s, student activism, and other related ephemera. And today, um, the podcast interviews a short interview with Robert Storr. And um, Robert Storr was the director of acquisitions for the Museum of Modern Art in New York City. He is currently the dean of the Yale School of Art, which is certainly the most prestigious, or one of the two most prestigious um, graduate art school programs in in the world. Um, This is a very, very distinguished person. And uh, in uh, about 15 years ago, um, Robert Storr secured the purchase of a very important piece of art um, painted by a man named Gerhard Richter, who was a German artist. This is a man who... Grew up. Um, he he grew up in World War II. He uh, lived in Dresden and and lived through the fire bombings by the Allies. He lived in East Germany through until about 1960 when he fled to the to the West. And um, this particular set of paintings, which he painted in I think 1987 88, features it's it's a series of 15 paintings and it deals with the Bader Meinhof era. This is an artist who takes found photographs and repaints them blown up um, and maybe subtly changes them, but effectively repaints these photographs. And these were a series of photographs that are related to the Bader meinhof group. Um, The series is called October 18th, 1977, and it shows um, images of Ulrika Meinhof lying dead in her cell. It shows pictures of a young Ulrika Meinhof. It shows Gudrun Enslin as she was being... um, uh, interrogated. Um, it shows um, pictures of the capture of, of Andreas Bader and, and Holger Mainz and Jan Karl Raspa. It shows their funeral. Um, that said, it's very hard often to figure out exactly what you're looking at. It, it depends on a lot of context. It was very controversial when it came out in Germany, and it was almost even more controversial when um, Robert Storr secured the purchase of them for the museum of modern art in, uh, in America. Um, the exhibition, the first big exhibition took place about 10 years ago, this coming November. Um, and it was followed about a year later by the tragic events of nine 11, which, uh, forever colored, I guess, people's interpretation of this, but, um, anyway, so, uh, it was a very fascinating interview with a very important man. I'm going to confess, it's funny. I am. I, I know very little about the art world. I'm, I'm moved and and I'm uh, perplexed often by these particular paintings, but um, but I know how important they are. I confess, though, my interview with Robert Store I probably come across as a complete neophyte. In fact, I struggle struggled with asking him questions where he wouldn't think. My God, this guy is a moron. So you'll probably hear a little bit about that in the interview. Um, I encourage you to try and track down his book um, about the cycle. Uh, Also, you can go to my website. Just just search Richter, R I C H T E R, and you can see all of the paintings. You can see my um, crude uh, high school analysis, high school style analysis of the paintings. But you can see all of them and see what I'm talking about. I also have all of the source photos that he used for the paintings. They're um, extraordinary. So I encourage you to check it out. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this interview with Robert Storr. So um, tell, me, tell me a little bit about the October 18th, 1977 cycle. What is it and why is it important?
1: What it is, is a series of 15 paintings painted by Richter based on photo materials, which were in the main, but not entirely uh, things published in the, uh, in the newspapers and the magazines of the time. Recounting various different episodes in the 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 the, the bottom line house story that which um, are painted them in eighty eight um, after having Mulled this over for a long time but already there for ten years basically after the the uh, the, the primary event that they record which is the uh, the day in which uh, three members of the group um, died in prison under disputed circumstances. Um, that uh, he he was familiar with people who were, were fiercely partisan on behalf of the the uh, uh, the RAF, um, or at least were sympathetic to it. If not themselves, if they themselves had also you know, avoided violence and so on, but he himself was not sympathetic to their politics in that respect. He was, however, interested in who they were and how they came to be the kinds of political, uh, you know people that they were because uh, of his own experience of the war. He was interested particularly in Orca Meinhof, who was almost his contemporary, give or take a few years, uh, and whose family had come from the anti-Nazi community within Germany at the same time. Uh, And he was, you know, he sort of identified to some extent with her situation.
0: Now, what was the reaction like in Germany when it was completed?
1: Well, there was a great deal of of, uh, protest of the paintings. the people who viewed the RAS as as, as, as simply uh, destructive and as uncomplicatedly ideological, uh, and so on and so forth. And also, of course, people whose lives have been affected by them were very much against the series, feeling that somehow or other Richter was celebrating, which he was not. Um, on the left, uh, people said, how could a man like Richter, who's not a man of the left, paint our heroes? Uh, but by what right does he, uh, you know, paint our martyrs? Uh, and Richter wasn't interested in martyrology on either side. He wasn't interested in making them martyrs, or he was not interested in ignoring the actions that they had taken politically. Uh, he was interested in their contradictions, and that's what he was trying to partially account for. And the other thing he was trying to account for was the, the fact that one really could not know uh, about these people. Um or even what the events were that were being remembered, because of uh, you know all of the the sort of conflicting stories and all of the uh, unknown aspects of the stories and all of the ideologies surrounding the stories. So that it's an attempt, in one way, to both uh, you know focus his own doubts about politics and about a host of issues in this event and also paint doubt itself
0: so why do you think it was so important for for people to that this work have some kind of political as opposed to emotional message it seemed that that a lot of the critics well first of all those are not those those are not separate it it seemed like the critics seemed so angry that it wasn't overtly political and 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 they seemed like they took offense to that fact
1: well, it, it depends on which critics you're talking about. So
0: I'm thinking like of a lot of the American critics when it was when it was first proposed to be brought here, and clearly some of the conservative critics, they whether it had it or not, they ascribed a real strong political meaning to the to the cycle.
1: They did, and, and they were mistaken. I mean, they misunderstood the art, they misunderstood the artist, they misunderstood his motives. I mean, the reason they came here was that
0: I bought yeah. them. Yeah, and period simply. And, and when you bought them, the, the, this, this was controversial in Germany, wasn't it? Because these were important paintings in Germany that were suddenly going to be leaving Germany.
1: That is correct. And, and originally, Richter had left them on loan to the Museum in Frankfurt um, and uh, had refused an offer to sell them to a museum in Cologne. Um, and nevertheless indicated that he thought that they eventually would remain in Germany. One of the things that happened was it became clear that the museum in Frankfurt that had them was not going to buy them. Um, they sort of, and as I say, they some people the sort of suspected that Gerhardt would just give them to him, uh, and he wasn't prepared to do that. Uh, I think he wanted more of a commitment from them. Than that uh, the other side of it is that uh, one of the principal funders of the uh, museum uh, was a bank, or at least were people associated with a bank that had been the target of one of the, the, the later attacks of the RAF, and they couldn't uh, countenance, um, you know, spending their money on something that. In some ways, touched on these events and and the, and the and the losses that they had suffered. So there was a there was sort of a stalemate there. So um, and um and uh, other than that, there were no offers anywhere in Germany. Um, meanwhile, there were all of the polemics surrounding uh, the paintings. And by the time I talked to Gerhard about them, um, I said, "Listen, I don't." I'm assuming that these are going to stay in Germany, but I'm very interested in this work and this type of work, and if anything else is made, anything remotely related to it, I would be interested in acquiring it for the museum. And uh, he said, no, actually, these paintings are now available. And I said, can you explain why? Because I wanted to make sure that we weren't simply um, trumping an offer in Germany that he would have otherwise accepted or something like that, Uh, and taking away from Germany something that, you know, belong there, and his answer was that he had originally felt that they did belong there, but that he realized that number one, there was no clear place that they would end up, and two, that he realized that the politics were such in Germany that they would never be viewed as paintings, nor viewed in the way in which he intended them, because they would simply be the target of you know enduring polemics uh, that were not the things he was you know thinking about. So that under those circumstances, he would, number one, see them leaving Germany and finally acquiring their meaning rather than losing it. And two, he felt that since they were paintings of, you know, the importance they were as paintings, that to be in a a comprehensive collection of modern art was a natural place for them to go.
0: And, you know, one thing I've learned over the last decade, I guess, of studying this group, the Bader-Meinhof group, is that nobody in America seems to know anything about this group or, or has, or they've maybe heard of it tangentially. Was this a challenge for you bringing the paintings over here? Because Americans don't have the context. Yes, How did you address that challenge?
1: Well, I wrote a book about it for starters and we published a book. So To uh, so one thing. Is it all done? It's all done? So if I now clearly files, okay? it's okay. Thank you so much. Okay, great. Thank you. But anyway, um, that, uh, uh, you know, that I published a book about these paintings uh, that went into considerable t- detail about the history of the group, about uh, reactions to the paintings in Europe, and so on and so forth. Um, and uh, in the catalog also for the big retrospective that I did some years later, I also wrote about them at some length. Um, you know... It, the the bottom line, group has no exact equivalent in this country, but it has some real parallels with what happened with the underground, with the Liberation Army, which was a really aberrant form of this kind of uh, political, you know, direct action stuff. But you know, Americans have had had people like this in their lives, and uh, if they stretch their imagination a little bit, which people sometimes don't want to do, but it's there to be done. Uh, then they can understand what it is and what is the context that Rick is trying to get at.
0: I, and I and of course there was some famous reactions to um, to the e- exhibition. The um, The New Republic had had a cover article by Jed Pearl where he called. Uh, Richter, a bullshit artist masquerading as a painter. Now, when I was running a college newspaper, I would love to print stories where people were attacking me or condemning me because it seemed to speak a lot more about them than me. But I imagine the stakes with you were a lot different. How did you deal with that intense criticism?
1: Well, I mean, I dealt with it by not dignifying it with criticism of the same low level in response, but by simply trying to again talk seriously about what is serious work
0: now what was your very first reaction when you saw the cycle i imagine you saw it in frankfurt do you remember how it no actually i didn't i saw it in new york when it was first shown in And new york. how how did it um take you the first time you saw it did you have the context about the group when you saw it the first time yes, And I did. so so what what was your initial reaction um seeing seeing it all as a unit at that time
1: I was both puzzled and moved
0: Boy, that's that's kind of the exact reaction I have. I was profoundly moved and it was. But it also the one thing that struck me, um, particularly the funeral picture, it actually inspired me to visit. Where or Enslin, and Raspa were buried, mm-hmm. and the thing that struck me when I was visiting that location was, it took me a long time to actually figure out where the original photographer was take, took the picture from, and mm-hmm. and it occurred to me that you know I was sitting here trying to turn something that uh, Richter had turned almost into a fourth hand representation of it. I was trying to turn it into a first-hand representation. I was mm-hmm. trying to find some clarity, and I'm not sure that was his intention. Do you, what do you think his intentions with this? Well, first of all, all the images. If, do you have the copy? I the do. Theory? It's a fantastic book, by the way. Okay, well, because you can see pretty clearly
1: uh, in some of the reproductions, and also I think in the text, I try to explicate a little bit, that he makes some very significant adjustments in what's in those pictures, particularly the, the pictures of Gunnar But in that particular scene of the burial, for example, uh, in the tree line, there appears something that looks like a cross. Um, And it's not in the original photograph, or at least it's an adjustment of the available data of branches that, uh, you know, sort of creates a cross out of what really isn't one. Um, You know, I mean, Richter is... is taking, if you will, poetic or, um, you know, repertorial license with with the images that he works with. And that's part of the point.
0: Absolutely. So, um, so, so much of Richter's legacy and fame in America seems to be directly tied to you. Is that an uncomfortable or comfortable position to be in?
1: Well, it's neither comfortable nor uncomfortable. I don't think it's that much tied to me. I mean, I've done things that have had an effect on him, but I have never tried to be part of his story.
0: <laughs> and um, what do you think people that visit uh, the cycle and see it at MoMA or when it's on tour, what do you think they should be um, should take away from, from this particular exhibit?
1: Well, I think they should, first of all, look at it as painting and look at it as a kind of painting which questions just about everything that is sort of the conventional wisdom about the truth of images, uh, of any kind, of painted or photographic. That it's what Richter does is he uses photography to unseat uh, the grandeur of painting, and he uses painting to unseat the uh, the documentary nature of photography, uh, and does all of that in order to place people in a situation where they cannot be sure of what they see or of what they think about what they see now the purpose of that is not to create some kind of bland polo neutrality it's rather to sort of uh, make a sense of discomfort uh, more acute
0: and um, did did 9 11 change your relationship with this cycle in any way
1: Yes, it did, and I just finished, I mean, I don't know if you've seen it, but there's another book that I've written on, on a painting by Gerhardt's called September, which is an image of the Twin Towers, and uh, it was published last fall in, in, a, in a sort of a, an initial edition, and we're just about ready to bring out a new one from uh, the Tate Gallery, uh, and it's about that picture, and it talks about actually the response to the, to the October paintings as well, but uh, the sort of hysterical response to the October paintings that followed 9-11 is part and parcel of what has become the politics of this work in this country? Absolutely.
0: Well, um, Mr. Store, I very much appreciate your time spent with me, and thank you so much. And I do want to encourage anybody listening to. to unfortunately, it's not in print, but you can find copies in uh, on Amazon of your October Eighteenth, nineteen seventy-seven book. I think it's one of the finest books available about uh, the bader Minoff era and the phenomenon. And and I very much much appreciate you writing it. I've referred to it again and again over the last decade.
1: Well, that's nice. I mean, just, just if it doesn't stretch the time, I mean, you know, the the memoirs of Kathy Boudin, of Bill Ayers, the people associated with the Weather Underground, uh, raises all of these issues within an American context. Now, one of the things that was written in an attack on me, particularly, and on Richter for the Bademeynoff paintings after 9 11, was that somehow uh, interest in these things that did not simply demonize the principle of you know, people was sympathy for terrorism, which I actually have never had whatsoever. And in the 60s, I was deeply opposed. In the 70s, deeply opposed to the whole sort of action, faction, whether underground idea, which I thought, you know, took uh, a, a peaceful but serious left, right down, you know, in a, in a dead alley and and in a, a place where people did horrendous things. These are all matters to be rethought in the present context, I think, as well, because. Uh, in this country, the polarization and uh, sort of extremism goes on all sides and we need to avoid it at all
0: costs. Absolutely. Uh, Mr. Shore, thank you so much for your time. Okay. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Okay.
1: Okay. Bye. Bye.